0: Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmati, where it's all about health optimization, anti-ageing, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by LisaTarmati.com.
1: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome into Pushing the Limits. This week, I have Dr. Anthony Balducci uh, from the USA, and he is the founder of the Fit Father and the Fit Mother Project. He has a very interesting background story and a very interesting um uh, drivers and motivation and passion and huge huge communities that he that he helps um, people get healthy and get get fitter uh, and all of that sort of good stuff and we don't dive in a little bit into the weeds on on our philosophies and how they differ and how they're the same uh, and how we can improve our lives so i really hope you enjoy this episode with dr anthony Lovely, lovely person. Um, Before we head over to the show, I just have a a request. I have that survey running. You've heard me talk about it perhaps in the last few weeks, LisaTamity.com forward slash survey, where we just got a very few questions for you. Um, It's all anonymous. It just gives us feedback for the show and helps us know what you need help with. And it would be a good way to pay us back if you enjoy this content. I really appreciate that. won't take more than two minutes of your time and just like what are you dealing with health-wise, what sort of topics that you'd like, that type of question. So please head over to lisatarmity.com forward slash survey. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the show, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. We're looking for um, sponsors to keep this podcast going on air. Uh, If you're in this longevity anti-aging space, we'd love to hear from you and your company. Um, And also we do have a uh patron program patron.lisitamity.com if you want to support us that way we really do appreciate that me and my team we've got 10 people on the team now and they uh, all have um needs and and we have to keep this uh free to air that's uh, that's the main mission so really appreciate your support in doing that now over to the show with dr anthony balducci well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you here with me today. I have a wonderful gentleman for you that you're going to love his story and his his passion and his drive. It's going to be so exciting. I have Dr. Anthony Balducci with me. Welcome to the show, Anthony. It's fabulous to have you. Thank you for having
0: me. I appreciate the pronunciation on the last name. Very Italian. I like it.
1: <laughs> it might be my Maori heritage. I think there's a little bit of similarity in the in the language and the way it's spoken. So, oh, I'm glad I got it right. That's
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um so Dr. Anthony, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, because you've got a very interesting backstory that really sort of uh, touched my heart because I was like, yeah, I, I can totally relate different story, but a similar drive and passion that you bring to life um, because sure. of what's happened to you. So give us, the, give us the, 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 you know, your background story a little bit.
0: For sure. And I'll, I'll maybe start from like what I do right now and we'll kind of work our way backwards mm-hmm. is I run two health, fitness, and wellness communities for dads and moms, particularly those over 40. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're called Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project. And so me and my team, we dedicate all of our time to supporting middle-aged parents to get strong and fit and create healthy cultures in their homes and help their kids get healthy and just have longevity and strength and, and basically go against the modern current of an unhealthy society. So this is what I do with my time. And when I was growing up, the reason I got passionate about this is because I watched my own dad basically bust his butt and work really hard. Um, and in the process he neglected his health and his health got really bad. He got a cancer diagnosis when he was in his late thirties mm-hmm. and throughout my entire childhood, I just basically watched him wither away. You know, he did all of the conventional cancer treatments, chemotherapy, radiation surgery, he had two brain surgeries, he had brain cancer. Uh, And he ended up dying when he was 42 years old. Mm. And I was nine at the time when I witnessed this. And it was such a pivotal moment in my life, not just because it was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced. And it just shook up my whole family structure. But I also had this aha moment a couple months after he died. And I, I realized fundamentally that like health is at the foundation of everything we love. And in my young brain at the time, I was like, man, I want to learn how to get myself healthy. So that never happens to me. So I can be there to take care of my mom, my little brother. And I just want to become so strong that I wouldn't have to experience what my dad had, and I had this idea that we could have this integrated life of like strong body, strong mind, and we didn't have to die and get sick. So, uh, the way I started to heal from my dad's death is my mom gave me a pair of his old dumbbells and I'd hide them under my bed and I'd pull them out every night and I started to train and exercise. And what was amazing about this experience for me is, is I was certainly getting physically stronger, but I realized that my mindset and my emotions were also healing in the process of me exercising and getting physical. And I'm like, wow, there's something really deep and profound here. And it kind of ignited this love for fitness that has propelled me over the next several decades of my life. Uh, and, and you know, I, I suppose it's like a beautiful thing to be able to take a really tragic experience like my dad's passing and turn it into a mission to now help busy parents in a very similar position. Like they know they want to do better, can't find a way to get it all to fit in with the right routines. um And so that's it's basically spurred me on. And I, I could go deeper into the life story if you'd like. I mean, there's a lot of experiences that happened since that time, yeah, but through, that's the root. It. That's the root of where it started.
1: Yeah. No, do, do share the other couple of stories that, that, um, because I think that they're also pivotal to your, hmm. to your experience and, and things that we, you know, we have commonalities with, I think.
0: Okay, cool. Well, will keep on going. Um, I got into fitness and fitness was one of the first things, especially when I was a young man, it was like, it was, it gave me a, a sense of empowerment to be strong and and to have a sense of confidence with my body and to engage in sport. I did a lot of weightlifting and wrestling and martial arts and, I eventually got into competitive bodybuilding, which is such a fascinating thing to get interested in. <laughs> you know, you want to do all these <laughs> things with your nutrition, your supplementation, so you can get in a little speedo on stage and flex your muscles. But <laughs> I, I was just so passionate about it. And I think, you know, now that I look back with a little more clarity, a, a big drive of that kind of came from the pain of my dad's passing. Like I, I wanted to be this really strong, you know, respected man. So I, I pushed into bodybuilding and it was wonderful experience because I did it for competitive bodybuilder for Uh, over 10 years. And Mm. I competed in dozens, uh, tons of shows, maybe not dozens, but like, you know, close to, you know, 10, 15 shows. Mm. I did a lot of contest prep, learned how to take my body to a very high level. Um, And then what was very interesting is towards the end of my competitive bodybuilding career. Also, when I was in medical school, I went on a skiing trip with one of my close friends and and we were doing some snow skiing and uh, we were skiing very aggressively, like young men fueled with the testosterone of youth. Um, (laughs) And I had an intuition this day that it was prudent for me to slow down, but I completely ignored it. I ignored all the signs and I just kept on charging down the hill, you know, harder and faster than ever. Um, and there was a one moment, you know, where I'm carving down this hill and I, and I jump, and this was like intentional, of course, flying in the air. Um, and I was going to land further down the slopes, but I didn't land right. The skis blew off my feet and I'm tumbling. I'd say over 30 kilometers per hour, you know, head over foot, I have a helmet on, and I slam into a tree full force and mm-hmm. my leg explodes into pieces. Like, my, like my, my, bro- my arm is broken, leg is broken. And it was one of those moments where like if I would hit the tree in any other way, instantly dead.
1: Wow. Um,
0: but it just so happened that, you know, my femur took the blow. And I think the only reason the surgeons told me this I actually survived that fall is because I quad muscles were so big from all the squats I've been doing for the last basically 20 years that it kind of absorbed the shock and, and saved my life. Um, but that was a life-changing experience for me to to get to a point in my life where I spent so much time building my body up, having my identity very tied to my fitness, and then, in a moment of you know bad judgment and ignoring the signs, I, I basically destroyed my body um, and destroyed it to such an extent that you know we're talking like learning how to walk again. I wow. had six six surgeries to reconstruct my leg over six years, including leg lengthening, where they sawed my femur in half and had to extend it. What was powerful about this experience, though, is, It taught me a lot. I I consider it a bit of like a mental, emotional, spiritual awakening where I realized I was not just this bodybuilder guy or whatever I thought my ego structure was at the time. I began to soften. I had to learn about healing. I had to learn about surrender. I had to learn about setting new goals and finding new motivations beyond just pushing myself in my own way uh, to to the max that I could in the bodybuilding space. Um, and so it opened up a, another way of relating to people, you know, relating to people who have, who have deep physical challenges, and then also balancing these, these emotional forces when we're, when we're motivated to like want better and to, to strive and to set goals, but at the same time, accepting the the changing nature of our bodies, whether you've had a severe injury and that's changed the dynamics of how your structure works, or you're just getting older and you don't have 20 year old knees anymore. Like this is, these bodies teach us so much about this idea of surrender while still striving. And so Mm -hmm. I I learned how to dance with that, um, you know, and I, and I guess like along this way, I'm, I'm running this company and and we've helped over 60,000 men and women in over a hundred countries go through this. So I'm helping them with their journeys too. So it's been a really amazing life so far of teaching and being a champion for health, helping other people achieve their results, walking my own path uh, as vulnerably as I can be. And um, yeah, so I I guess that's kind of a life story in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, no, that is absolutely beautiful. And um, thanks for sharing so openly. I really appreciate the vulnerability and the openness, you know, because it's really, um, you know, I can so relate to being this hard-ass athlete, you know, because I, I have a background as an ultra endurance athlete. And and when I look back over my career, you know, which was 25 years of doing stupid stuff basically, um yeah. it, the it came from a you know really a, a lot of trauma actually in my For childhood sure. and and my young years that um in my first relationship actually. Um, and that made me like, I've got to be hard, I've got to be tough, I've got to be mentally stronger than anybody else, I can never show weakness, so I have to be the superhero, right? And not having a lot of genetic talent either, um, meaning that I had to really, 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 really work hard to to do the things I did, and it wasn't, it wasn't always pleasant, and there was a lot of doing it for the sake of proving something. Yes. And And, you know, I'm glad for the experiences, because they were... Well, there were some really wild experiences in there um but they taught me how to how to fight how to push how to overcome barriers how to overcome obstacles but even like uh, in the last few years I you know had my whole life tipped upside down when my mum had a, a massive aneurysm and my, my listeners know my story really well um that changed my perception of of the body and the way yeah. that the 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 amazing resilience of the body, for starters, you know, like she was 74, written off, the medical fraternity just said, like, there's nothing we can do. She's stuffed, basically, you know, put her in an institution and me being an ultramarathon runner going, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm going to fight and I'm going to get her back. I don't care what it takes. I'm yeah. going to I'll pull out all the stops and I'm going to really help her and and then doing that and then realizing there are so many other people in similar situations that have been told to give up and they shouldn't be given up. They should be fighting. And yeah. uh, so I can really relate to that. And, and the vulnerability that comes when you have your own physical uh, um, problems too, as, as I've had as well, um, when you realize you're not bulletproof like you thought you were yeah. <laughs> and and that you too are getting older and that you too are going to face different difficulties along the way. And I think what drives us both is a passion to help people. We both do it in slightly different um, areas. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got the the Fit Father and the Fit Mother Project. And, like, when you, when you experienced your dad's journey and his um, passing, did that really make you want to fight for families? Like, is family, you know, like, seeing children, having been a, a, a child that suffered so much, do you want to prevent that for everybody else? What is the... What is the thing that drives you for this particular type of project?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, right now, absolutely, it's it's a hundred percent about families. Um, but I didn't necessarily have that awareness right when I was ten and I was starting it. At first, no. it started for the lens of myself and my own self healing and developing my own strength. And I think when one does develop strength, it naturally starts to resonate outwards to start to affect you know the environment around the strong individual. You know, you you rub off on people. So. Um, now, as a dad myself, like I, I, I see how pivotal it is to do give my daughter all the best inputs that I possibly can, so she can thrive and be well. Um, as a, you know, as an adult citizen of this world, I see that now what's happening with our culture is this generation of kids being brought up right now are less physically robust, more psychologically addicted, more mental and emotional disorders, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that we have deviated. So far from living in accordance with the natural law that makes our bodies healthy, so I'm seeing this kind of cultural thing that I believe is so is such a powerful force affecting families. And the the funny thing is, the only way to fix it individually for us is to take control of our families, our culture, our input. So, like, I think families are the way we heal the culture. It's like the cell needs to get healthy, in so far as the whole organ system can get healthy. So I I view view it in that way um, Mm -hmm. as well. And I think, at least you know, in my in my journey. You know, when, when becoming a parent is a, is a, is a pivotal threshold and a portal that you step through where your motivations get very, very deep, you know, beyond just your own well being, Now you're, you're here to provide and create and shape and, and, and it puts more weight to your motivations for why to stay healthy yourself. I mean, certainly there's aesthetics and performance that we all kind of have an idea of what we'd like to look like, what like to feel like, and like to be able to do. But I think now the deeper conversation with health and we're as, as parents is like, How do we actually model these behaviors for our kids? How do we make choices today that make it likely that we're going to have great mobility and strength and be able to participate with our grandkids or great grandkids down the line? And so I think it's a powerful aspect to be a parent and to tie that deeply into your health, because that's what helps us stay motivated. It's not like there's a lack of information about what we need to be doing to be healthy. And now it's about how do we actually align our behaviors and stay on track and stay consistent. And a lot of those come down to our values and our families that go beyond just Physical fitness—it's like whole person fitness, and maybe even whole family fitness.
1: Yeah, absolutely beautifully put. And you know, when you just look around, you just have to look around you in your own society to see we're not doing well. You know, and there are so many reasons for that. And I think you and I align on a number of the 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 things that are going wrong in our world, from from everything from you know big pharma to toxins to the food industry to the you know, um, there's there's a lot of lot of things stacked up against our kids and our and our and our parents and uh, people from being healthy. And we're, we're, we're living in a world of, you know, full on stress often. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to provide, we're working, you know, often extremely long hours, trying to pay bills, trying to keep balance, yes. everything. We have all these devices that make life easier, but don't make life easy, easier, um, give us opportunities like this wonderful podcast that we get to do right. together, but by the same time can absolutely take over our lives. It's really hard for us to find the balance in, in, in all of this. And, you know, I, I sort of see us as cavemen and women, you know, mm-hmm. like we're, we're still, as far as our genetics go, they have yeah. not changed over the millennia, or certainly not in the last 150 years, and we've right. gone through radical change, you know. <laughs> yes. It, we have radically changed our environment, the way we sleep, the way we eat, the way, you know. So w- what do you th- see as the big problem um, problems as far as that goes you know from a, maybe a food perspective an exercise perspective a work stress life perspective where are yep. we going wrong and then where where can we intervene
0: for sure i think it's a great frame to look at ourselves from the primal lens um, and also the lens too that i think we have the the misconception that humans they due do our technology are somehow disconnected from nature and the natural cycles we could not be more intimately connected, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through in explaining this. Even like the sun that rises in the morning, that light interfaces with our eyes mm-hmm. and actually triggers our brain to release serotonin, which makes us feel fantastic, connected, happy, you know, secure. And later in the evening, that serotonin gets converted to melatonin, which basically restores our brain and our body, enhances our immune system and our longevity. So even just the natural light cycle- Yeah, the cortisol and
1: melatonin, right? yeah the yep, cortisol
0: yep. melatonin balancing the, the light itself. And I, and I bring up light first because obviously it's a, it's a more important input than people realize for the body, but also yep. just because it is so <laughs> primary to the experience of the physical natural world that we have, you know, the sun, the energy, and now we have these phones with artificial light. So it's like a, it's almost like a, a nice analogy of how disconnected we are. Cause we even forget about how primary that is. Yep. Um. So light is it light and circadian rhythm is a huge input. And what's fascinating right now is, We have a very busy, fast-paced life, especially in the West, in the United States, in New Zealand. Like, there's a lot of busyness, and and, you know, there's there's stress, and the people who are doing really well right now have healthy stress outlets, meaning they are typically using physical activity or good sleep and restoration habits or good social connections to to balance the nervous system and, and, and to create more resilience. And then the people who are really struggling are feeling that exact same background stress, but then they don't have these foundational things around their food, their exercise, or their sleep and recovery. So they do the exact opposite. They eat the unhealthy inflammatory foods, they skip the exercise, and then they stay up late on technology and dysregulate their circadian rhythm further. So it's like the same... The same background context, two different ways to respond to it. And one group thrives, the other group deeply suffers. Um, now, I think food is really foundational. And I think it's probably one of the things that's changed the most over the last several hundred years with the fact that we have this huge marketing engine behind hyper palatable processed foods. You know, there's a lot of money to be made in food. We're feeding lots of people, and we've gotten away from what was like a more natural, like, you're farming or you had people around you who had cows and you're eating just natural non-processed foods. It's like the supermarket's the antithesis of that. And most of the foods today are, are going to dysregulate your blood sugar. They're Mm. high sugar, they're inflammatory. They're sprayed with pesticides, like the glyphosate pesticide and atrazine, these are two common pesticides. They wreck your health, like on deep, deep levels. So it's Mm. like, basically we're eating crap food and food's fascinating because like, it's more important than exercise. And Mm. I think it's important for people who are athletically minded to know because you could go train really hard and eat poisonous food and your body will eventually break down. Mm. Whereas if you eat really, really nourishing food and don't do that much high intensity exercise, you can still be quite healthy. Like if you look at the people who are like the pockets of longevity, the blue zones, the centenarians around the world, the people who live to 100 plus. They're not doing like high intensity exercise, but they're eating natural foods. They're walking, they're gardening, and they would benefit from doing some really good exercise. But the point is, is like food is more foundational because food is either creating inflammation or it's reducing it. And quite frankly, most food right now is, is more or less toxic. And I'm not going to jump on an exact bandwagon. If I say you need to eat, you know, plant-based or keto, but I think you need to find a system that works well for you. That's centered around natural whole foods, Mm -hmm. um, you know, nutrient dense. Uh, you need to figure out which foods work best for you and your goals. And, and I, and I th- and like, that's a journey to take. It's not like a simple thing where I can hand someone one given diet. It's like a journey of self-discovery. And I think the, the cost of that is it takes a little bit to figure out the benefit of that is you get a system that serves you for the rest of your life. Yep. Um, and this is obviously what we, and I'm sure you help people with as well is getting the food component down.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, like it's, it is, I, I do a lot of genetics in my practice and yeah, um, a lot of functional medicine testing and things like that, and genetics is is so interesting, right? Because sure. um, we, we we have these huge debates online. Everybody's like carnivore, keto, plant based, vegan, yeah. vegetarian, keto, carnivore, whatever. You know, like just yeah. all over the show, and yeah. everyone's adamant that theirs is right. You know, and, and it's just for me, it's hilarious. It's it's <laughs> we, we're genetically different, quite yes. so. We we have different um, comorbidities, we have different stages of life, we have different we're women, we're men, we're there's there's all this nuance to that conversation that's completely missing and it's only my way is the highway you know, like that's that's not helpful Uh, I think we can all agree that um, processed food's crap, anything that comes in a man-made packet is probably to be avoided where possible, it's not going to be possible all the time I get that, Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect no one's perfect, but uh, if we can Focus in on real whole foods, vegetables. Yes. You know, whether you're a yes. vegetarian or not um, depends on whether you, you know have have meat or not. But good quality fats, good quality yes. vegetables, good quality you know unprocessed yeah. foods. I think let's let's agree on that part. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years, and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody, so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really, it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air, and for a coffee or two a month. That would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatarmity.com. That's patron.lisatarmity.com and check it all out. And then let's agree probably 100%. too that we have too much sugar. I'm, I'm doing a lot of study at the moment <laughs> sure. on glycation and, you know, oh, transmiposilating agents and what can we do well, to Explain, that, explain that to people.
0: Basically, it's like sugar gets stuck to substances in our body that literally age us. Like when we measure diabetes from how much of your your hemoglobin in your blood is is glycosylated, but also like the neurodegenerative diseases are basically occurring in, in the presence of blood that has a lot of sugar in it floating like the advanced glycation end products it causes proteins to fold improperly. it causes oxidative damage and stress to the body so having regulated blood sugar is essential for for long-term health having becoming insulin sensitive which is goes along with the regulated blood sugar exercise helps with that and that doesn't mean you need to be on a, a super low carbohydrate diet but it does mean you need to be on a carb controlled diet with regular exercise and all that kind of stuff And you know, healthy fats uh, and vitamin-rich foods. You know, we need we need to get focus as much on our micronutrients as we do on these macronutrients. We get took the words out of my mouth.
1: Yeah, it it took the words out of my mouth because we do focus on the macros and not the micros. I think for sure. And and then this is this is the other problem is that some of you know our food is really hard to get good micronutrients now. Yes, and I do believe in supplementation because of that. And we have to, you know, there's good and there's bad supplements, of course. And and you know, we won't go into that, but. It really is important to sort of know your nutrient status, some at least yes. some of the basics like magnesium and zinc and yes. vitamin D and you know, the, sure. folate and things like that. To, at least if you yes. if you can't you do the full, you know, organic acids testing and the full yes. whatever, that would be great. But um at least understand that those sort of things, those those bases need to be covered first. Yes. First and foremost, you know?
0: And here's a practical tip. And this is something we teach inside of our Fit Father and Fit Mother programs, is we help people We like to suggest that people standardize the first meal of the day, um, Mm -hmm. just because it's like breakfast and getting your day going is a time where you don't wanna do a lot of thinking. You wanna eat foods that give you a lot of micronutrients, a lot of energy, keep your blood sugar stable and like don't bog you down. And so for people, if you can standardize your first meal of the day to make it micronutrient rich, as proteins, healthy fats, some fiber, a lot of good like plant-derived chemicals and stuff like this. You're just you're gonna crush it. So this could look like some kind of power smoothie, which may have some kind of supplement powder in there or other things, you know, it could be some berries, hemp seeds, chia seeds, protein powder, greens powder, like minerals, like whatever's in there. But if you just standardize that first meal of the day so that you hit your micros, it gives you good energy and it's like a consistent thing you can do every day, the rest of the day can be a little more variable. You at least have this one anchor in. I, I just want to bring this up because Nutrition is about consistency and consistency is about behavioral psychology. It's not about like just more information about what nutrient is good. It's like what can you repeat and have nailed down into a habit. So I love standardizing the first meal of the day. I think it's so helpful for people. Yep. yep. Um, and it, it could, but maybe so. Someone's eating an omnivorous diet. It could be like you get some really high quality egg yolks with some berries and avocado, or it could be a vegan uh, protein smoothie. Or you know, if someone tolerates oats, fine. There's some overnight oatmeal with a lot of good superfoods in there. Like so many different options, but find your standardized first meal. And um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good tip.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, and um, you know, there's a lot of talk around intermittent fasting and time restricted eating mm-hmm. and things, and I'm and very much that yeah, it's good um, in general, but there are some caveats to that yes. uh, statement, and in things like menstruating women and a woman who yes. you know, just had a baby or breastfeeding, or if you've got adrenal. Uh, issues, HPA access problems, cortisol problems, maybe not doing mm-hmm. the intermittent fasting if you're just yes. getting over an illness, a virus, or something like that, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, for other people, men probably do better on intermittent fasting as well. Um, so, mm-hmm. that, again, once again, there's nuance to conversation and personalization to this that has to come into the conversation. But when you have that first meal, that, that's exactly what I do. Like yeah. I have uh, quite a lot of adrenal issues because I've had a very
0: stressful for <laughs> the sure. last With decade. Your body for a lot of stress. Yeah. yeah,
1: I put my body and my my mind through a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I don't intermittent fast at the moment, and I am what I have is a horrible tasting, awful. Uh, vegetable smoothie with whatever's in the fridge, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or whatever I can get out of the garden at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the taste. It's about, I've got to get my fiber, my greens, my things Mm -hmm. into me in the morning when I've got my best willpower, when I have, because what I find too, and I'd love your take on this, is that as the day goes on, if it's been a very stressful day, and if I'm not managing Mm -hmm. my stress properly by doing my exercise and my breath work and my things, you know, and sometimes we don't because life's in the way, i've lost the plot by seven o'clock at night you know like and that's i think a lot of people can relate to that if you don't manage your stress during the day your ability and your willpower starts to wane so i start i i make sure that my day begins well at least and you know and then if things go to custard as as they sometimes do at Mm -hmm. eight o'clock at night then okay, at least I've got myself, and then I know that oh, my stress levels are getting up and I better try to manage my stress better. Yeah. And the way I do that and is for me, knowing my genetics, I have a lot of adrenaline, um, mm-hmm. a lot of cortisol, um, in, and I need to move all day. So I need mm-hmm. constant movement bouts. Other people don't need that. They need other things. Mm-hmm. What, working out what your genetics are so that you can um, tailor your lifestyle to those needs I really find useful with, with when I'm mm-hmm. working with people so that they're doing the thing and then putting high quality inputs in and that early part of the day yeah. sets you up for the rest of the day. I mean, what, sure. what, on that point, what is your sort of morning routine look like when you open your eyes, what happens? What do you, what do you do before you even? Okay. Get away? So
0: um, I do a couple of things first and foremost um i will i will rehydrate and it typically that happens before meditation but sometimes afterwards so there's like the two things And what rehydration looks like is I, I'm a huge believer that water is one of the most foundational inputs for our bodies and that we should be drinking the highest quality water possible. Mm -hmm. And how I define that is one, like get water that is well filtered. Every Mm -hmm. different location has its own kind Mm -hmm. of like water status. If you can get natural spring water, beautiful. If you're drinking some kind of municipal water, it better be filtered with the best filtration system that you can possibly get. (laughs) I mean, you know, better than, you know, like a little charcoal filter in your refrigerator something like that's like, okay, but you want to be removing chlorine. You want to be removing fluoride. You want to be removing a lot of the different chemicals oh that these. are, that are treated in the waters, all these things. So reverse osmosis or very, very good filtration system is good. And then I like to add in minerals. So there's many ways to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the simple way could be, you get some high quality sea salt, you can put it in there. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm doing a little more Advanced than that. So I'm using some humic and fulvic acids. They're like yeah, these mineral too. complexes. They're awesome. wonderful. So in the morning, water with humic and fulvic acids are, are really a wonderful way to hydrate. And I actually even have some uh some distilled seawater drops, actually companies out of Australia, but they they distill down like a lot of high quality seawater and there's a ton of magnesium, iodine, different kinds of minerals in there. But basically, like the body's electric and we use water and minerals to to conduct electricity in our cells. And so the first thing your body needs in the morning are the minerals and water. Um, And then I have a, I have a meditation practice and and that became a very important part of my own healing journey, specifically when I was around my leg and healing. And and it was like mental, emotional healing, just to be able to sit with my thoughts and feelings and be with what is. Um, And it got very deep from there. So I will sit down. I have a meditation chair in my bedroom and as well as another room there. And so one of those two places um, and I just get into my body and I've been doing it for so long. It's really just a very enjoyable, relaxing time to sit in. Um, you can think of it as like regulating your nervous system, being with your breath. And, and I think it sets a tone for your nervous system that is uh, more parasympathetic, not nearly as reactive. Um, and the process can be very deep for helping you work through the subconscious stuff and worries that naturally come up they'll, they'll arise in the mind. You can observe them and feel them and, and go onward. So for me, it's, it's, it's gotten even deeper. It's, it's, it has spiritual roots for me and it's very personal, but that's how I start my day with water and, um, and that. I depends on when I have my first meal of the day. It's not always the same. Sometimes I will be fasting and I kind of like am listening and feeling my body or other times depending on meetings or if I need to get something in earlier, I'll do it earlier. Like this morning, I had a really plant-based power smoothie. Um, I had it early in the morning. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't always happen. I have a cold plunge at my house and I, and I am a a believer in using heat and cold. Um, and I think the caveats on there is like, depends on the, the reason the season all that but over time the more you use these things it makes your nervous system more resilient totally. and it raises and it raises some different neurochemicals and hormones that makes you feel very alert and motivated so i will oftentimes do that before uh my first meal um, and the first meal is variable but i like like very similar to your strategy I, I make sure to get like my good quality micronutrients and just good stuff in there and um yeah and i mean it's just it's a really good key habit and then now i'm a big believer that for longevity. Uh, fasting is helpful, but the deeper idea here is that we need to be in a mix of anabolic and catabolic metabolism. Uh, Absolutely. Right. So like, that's just like, it's uh, again, the cycles of nature, like, you know, we even have the, we have the springtime where things are blooming and then the fall and winter time where things die. I think our our nervous systems and our digestive tracts and our our modes of metabolism mirror these natural cycles very Mm. fundamentally. Mm. And so times when we're building up, we're feeding amino acids, nutrients, carbohydrates, and the body has insulin signaling, mTOR is raised, we're driving things into cells, we're recovering from exercise And then we need periods where we allow things to break down, become catabolic, and our our body becomes thrifty and recycles damaged immune cells and all this. And so this does, this could be on a daily basis framework of people intermittent fasting, but I'm actually a a bigger believer of people doing periodic, deeper fasting. This could look like a 24 hour fast once a week. Um, And again, there's all the prerequisites, like this may not be right for everyone listening, but I'm just kind of giving like higher level stuff. Yep. But a dinner-to-dinner fast could be a nice pulse of catabolism that happens uh, once once a week. Um, and if, if someone is interested in exploring it more, I do believe there's a lot of health benefits to doing uh, more extended fasts. Um, you know, And there's many ways to play with this. But we just know it activates stem cells, good for getting mm-hmm. into some catabolic metabolism. But regardless if you do that, I will say most people's sleep would benefit if you start to eat a little bit earlier. I think we're going to learn more about like clock genes and circ- circadian biology. Yep. And I guess I know from my, tracking my own stuff, like if I eat too much too late, Um, it produces a lot of heat in the body. When I get a big, bigger blood sugar spike late at night, my sleep is affected. So I like to eat like many, like earlier dinners, like if possible, an earlier dinner, I think is like going to be beneficial for more people just try not to eat a big meal before you go to bed. And it's not because it magically stores as fat. It's probably just because it it disrupts your sleep to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And the cortisol can wake you up if you've had high blood sugar before you go to bed and having high carbs. And then your carbs, your blood sugar drops at two o'clock in the morning and wakes you up. Right. Um, yeah, and and uh, it, I love that, and that I love that there's flexibility within your ideas of of of, of you know, how it works for every person, because it is you know, and it's daunting. You don't want to push someone into something that they're not quite ready for, or you have to step mm-hmm. people back. We have to yep. get people metabolically. I think first and foremost, getting them metabolically yes. healthy, because yes. you can't put someone into a five day fast if they're not yeah. metabolically healthy. It's going to totally. be hell, you know. It's going to yes. be absolute hell for them. And we need to step people back into a, a healthy metabolism first, and then work work with them if that's what's required. And that may not be required yes. for everybody at all. But I love that idea, and I've never actually thought of it that way. But the 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 seasons and the m yeah. like the mTOR and the AMPK yes um, exactly uh, pathways. You know, like and 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 yes. it's really quite frustrating at times because you're like, hang on a minute, have my head. You know, I'm I'm going to the gym. I want some mTOR. Have <laughs> I had any supplement that was actually gonna yeah. be detriment and catabolic? And oh uh, <laughs> you know, it gets quite quite uh complex if we get too much into the weeds, but it it's it's about growth. And you know, as a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. you'd know this very well. You'd have been mTOR, 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 we've got yes. to build, we've got and, to build and they
0: die and they die early, you and know, they die a, a really early anabolic state, you know, like you you're putting all all gas, no brakes, you know. It's so funny how. For longevity, we know we want muscle mass heading into old age yeah, and we want a strength train because it's like the fountain of youth. At the same time, like we do need a good balance of catabolic signaling and a lot of the drugs that are extending lifespan, like rapamycin is yeah. like actually blocking mTOR signaling and increasing AKT. So I'll say this, like ex- getting exercise is such a powerful cellular signal for triggering a lot of these benefits of that fasting would have as well. Um, and then doing occasional fasting in whatever way that sees fit for you, or just even having lower calorie days sometimes, but this intermittent pulse of, of not always being fed all the time, which also comes down to one of my fundamental premises nutritionally is I think people really need to stop snacking. And I'm not saying like never snack, like snacks are tactical, but the people that are constantly grazing, I do believe it's, it's poor for health. It, it's constantly dysregulating your blood sugar. And I think it's good to have discrete periods of feeding where you get proper insulin signaling, nutrients come in, digestion happens, and then the system gets into rest. And yep. extends for time, so I think that's way better advice than what I would have said maybe 15 years ago, which is have many small meals throughout the day. You know, yeah, yeah, thing. me
1: too. I would have said, <laughs> you know, as an athlete, you got to eat at six times a day. And <laughs> you know, when we're doing ultras or eating every 15 minutes, sticking something in your yeah. mouth when you're running, which you know, okay, you need a lot of. Things yeah. and we weren't we weren't fat adapted athletes back then, you know there was yeah. was not such such a thing, but um it wasn't the right approach and um and you know when you do extreme sports too you can what, what I try and get across mm. people like having done a lot of extreme sports. Is that that is also going to um, set you back from a longevity perspective, you For know, sure. like you have to understand and there's still reasons to do it, but do it with your eyes open. And my eyes were not open to this. And so I did a lot of damage to my bo- my body, was unable to have children, a lot of, a lot of things, hormonal problems, wow. you know, um, <laughs> because I didn't understand. I thought exercise was good, full stop. And the more yeah. you exercise, the, the tougher you were, the better you were going to be, the, you know, the longer you will live, all of that sort of thing. And now it's like, oh, damn, I was you know, like, why didn't anyone tell me about inflammation and overwhelming your, your systems For and sure. reactive oxygen species and all of these things that that yeah. happened? And, you know, you can almost be sitting on the couch and be healthier than than um, sometimes sure. doing ultras.
0: <laughs> and that's a nice thing to say. It's like if you think about it all as these different inputs are stresses. And there's a certain amount of stress that is adaptive and helpful for the situation. And then this also comes to maybe when someone gets deeper into their game is you can really assess with greater awareness, like where your system is at right now, what, what stress is good stress. So let's say you're in a very busy season of your life. You're pushing it both ends with work. This is maybe not the time to be doing high intensity training blocks on top of that, because that would actually be maladaptive. It'd be better to do more restorative work to pair that with your work life and other demands so you're not sleeping as much maybe less high intensity exercise or maybe you have plenty of time there's times and seasons to push it so i think the seasonality concept is so foundational to Beautiful. what i keep on bringing up as natural law right it's not like the one plan that fits you is going to fit you at all times it rolls with the different rhythms and seasons of your life i imagine when you really had to step up and become a caretaker for your mom in a more profound way it probably wasn't the right time to go like bust butt and like go hard hard there like you get yep. in when you can and you're recognizing that it's always a dance and the cool thing about training and having so much training that you've already done is yes there was certainly damage from the intense amount of training that you were doing at that time but you also have a lot of like memory in your body where it probably doesn't take nearly as much for you now to maintain so a couple strength training sessions or whatever you end up doing these days can be enough of a pulse to keep your body on track and so that's that's the benefit of going further down this road is like for me right now, I'm in a busy work season. You know, I am doing strength training maybe like twice a week. I would love to do four four times a week, but it's twice a week. And and like if anyone saw me, like what I what I looked like, I mean, I wouldn't be at my strongest, but it'd be like, damn, you're in a wonderful shape. And I'm like, well, it's many decades of doing this, but also nutrition's on point. I know the pulses, and it doesn't have to be super crazy right now to. To look and feel good.
1: Oh, that's so good. I mean, I, I do a tenth, like literally a tenth of the exercise <laughs> sure. I used to do, and I look better now than I did at tw- yeah. twenty-five. You know, and that's and cool. uh, uh, because I was so inflamed, I was just like yeah. I had weight issues because i you know I was running thousands of kilometers, like literally that's wild, um, and I was putting on weight. I was losing muscle mass. My hormones, of course, were up the wazoo, and. And my answer was just go longer, you know, because I just I didn't understand. And it was my goal by then; it was my my sport, mm-hmm. right? But it it um it really was counterintuitive. And now, you know, now I've got a six pack. Now I'm at mm-hmm. fifty five. Now I'm metabolically flexible. Now yeah. I'm you know like way less inflammation and inflammatory markers in my body, and nice. and. That's great, but I'm still undoing some of the damage. You know, my kidneys for don't sure. work too well, and you know, other things don't 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 work so well because I didn't understand all that nuance. And so, trying to get those those messages across, and we've all done damage to ourselves, and we 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 have mm-hmm. to try to walk that back. But I love that, that 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 fact here. Like like I'm I too am in a full on season of work and on a mission, mm-hmm. like you are, yeah. and caring for mum twenty four seven. And uh, so, yeah, it's not four hours of running a day, you know, like right. it might have been and that would be ridiculous right now and like you know mm-hmm. um and that's okay and being okay with that how did you find that from a mental um perspective of i used to be this and now i'm not that <laughs> and how do you you know like how do you like you know <laughs> i've struggled with that over the over the time and i can sure. rationalize it but how did you deal with that
0: i think when i reflect on my direct experiences like i like literally like I hit a wall, I hit that tree and it went from like being 100 yeah. miles per hour high performance to immediately had no choice but to like surrender to the devastating change in in how my body functioned. Um and I think part of this is like we must accept anytime we're in resistance to what is or what appears to be so, like we're creating a layer of conflict beyond the situation itself. So like my leg is broken, my arm is broken, I'm learning to rewalk, like there's a degree of like actual pain and change there. But then there's a layer of mental suffering on top of that, where I'm like denying that this has happened. I can't believe this is the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think any kind of mental emotional practices, whether they're breathwork, journaling, meditation, where you just get to like feel these things, like the, the thoughts and feelings that come up are like they're, they're okay. Like, it's just like, there is a shedding of every new layer as we continue down our own like healing journeys. I think it can still be motivating to set new goals. So yeah. I got very motivated to set goals around, okay, when I'm going to walk again and how I actually heal. So moving, like not using the same measuring stick that you used to use at that time in your life, it can be helpful to still activate your goal circuitry and, and feel mm-hmm. like you're really moving forward. Um, yeah. And so new goals and challenges. And also I think, um, It's just recognizing the maybe deeper impermanence of all of this. Like we're here to obviously like create things and like achieve, accomplish experience. But at the end of the day, like these bodies are so powerful because we lay them back down to the dirt and they kind of go back to the natural cycle from which they came. So we'll come face to face with our mortality in some way, shape or form. The earlier you can start shedding those layers. I think it makes life a little bit easier. Um, And, and I also would say deepening your perspective of what health, means beyond just physical performance, yes. yeah. um, as, is, is a really important aspect
1: of that. Yeah, I agree. Cause you can be, sometimes you can, and, and the bodybuilders are a good example of that, you know, beautiful on the outside, amazing, yeah. incredible looking athletes, but actually quite sick on oh, the inside. Sure. If you look, you know, <laughs> and, and same with ultra runners and I dare say lots of other sports. Um, and, and it isn't always that the aesthetic matches actually what's going on in mm-hmm. the inside. Um, and it it is something that I've really, really struggled with is the acceptance of things, you know, and change and aging and all of that. And, you know, I think to a degree we, you know, we want to go like, you know, I'm going to be the best 55 year old there is, you know, um, (laughs) or, uh, with mum's situation, I think, um not accepting it made me fight which was good yes. right um on the both. other hand yeah like yeah like, you, yeah, like you, you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna fight we're gonna we're, you know but i've also lost i lost my dad three three, three years ago and i threw the bus at you know what he was going through and i and i fought with everything and we lost you know so mm-hmm. sometimes you you trying to understand uh the, the reasons for things and you must have faced this when you lost your dad and you're a mm-hmm. child. And I was, a, you know, very much an adult, but, uh, the grief and the uh, not, 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 comprehending it, not accepting it and fighting it, even though when it's happened, you know, like it's still like three years later, I'm still like, really, is he, is he really gone? You know, that, I want I to comment uh, on
0: this. I think it's like, I'm sorry for interrupting the tail end of this. Um, no, go for it. It's like, it's like mirrored in our nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is what gets activated when we have an acute stressor, the fight or flight concept. And then the parasympathetic is when we're in like this relaxed default state of trust and normal processing. And I think we, we can understand these gears of the nervous system and that we want to be parasympathetic and activate when we need to. And I, I do think that our relationships to these events in our lives are mirrored in the exact same way. This idea of if we're constantly fighting all the things that are happening We're engaging this sympathetic uh, resistance mechanism of our minds and ultimately it boils down to our physiology, which then gets expressed in hormones, which then affects the end organ systems. So I guess I'm coming to say that I think the ultimate way, the easiest way to dance with life is through the lens of trust. It is through the lens of trust that although you may not understand exactly how it's why it's all happening, it is so. And that if you can get to the point of surrender and trust that it's all going to be okay in some way, shape or form, and then you can kind of relax, I think you're able to be with the same challenge, but engage now in this literally parasympathetic way, but also in your mindset and emotions, just like this acceptance aspect. And then, and then you're not engaging with the same like fighting thing. And that's not to say that you still don't set like a goal and like have a plan and take action, but there's a deeper layer of trust behind it, that it actually is okay it's okay. It's okay. And I think that's like, that's the safety that a newborn baby wants when it connects with its mother for the first time. It wants to have this idea that it's okay in the closeness. And I think when we become adults, we don't have that same kind of like very primal bond. So We Mm -hmm. need almost like do it with ourselves. I just say like, just to kind of round it up. I think that the people that live the longest are those that have this more relaxed physiologic state, you know, outside of you know, all the other healthy inputs you could do the ones that can trust and relax. Like you hear about the, the Yogi that lives in the cave that lives to 130 years old, like eating like mung beans and goat milk and basically <laughs> breathing like six times a minute. Like that's a relaxed physiology. It's going to live for a long time. And we're not in that state exactly, especially if we're listening to this podcast, but I think there's a way that we can invite more of that trusting. Um, wow. And that's a process.
1: Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com, and hit the shop button, and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there, stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range so go and check it out at lisaarmity.com that's deep that's deep and that's something that I think I've you know I'll, I'll treasure from this conversation and take away because I think yeah I, when you're a warrior sort of mentality and you're you're a fighter and you're used to fighting and yeah uh, surrender is not a not something that's my vocabulary (laughs) or quitting (laughs) um learning that dance is 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 a a struggle i think um because you don't want to be that not that person that doesn't fight you know like if you're not going to fight for your loved ones who are you going to fight for um Mm -hmm. and but at the same time things do happen to you like you know losing dad and we we lost a baby as well we lost a little boy uh to spina bifida you 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 have it it can consume you. It can absolutely ruin your future because you're you're stuck. You can be stuck in that trauma, you know, that deep trauma that's just stuck there. And and I think what you just said makes sense. And I'm you know, it's it's that dance that I, I'm still learning to play, I think long, long road ahead, I think still, but I think
0: we all are. And I think your exact experiences right now and my exact experiences are what's urging us and nudging us along into greater levels of acceptance. And it's so beautiful that you're a fighter and you have all that energy. I just think there's a way to embrace it in a, in a less, uh, in a less violent resisting way but still use that same amazing warrior energy that you have to like do it but through this embracing it's like a soft yeah. it's 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 it's, it's, it's a, yeah we, the, we said enough it's a soft and hard at the same time
1: <laughs> the, the rock and the water somehow i'm yes. gonna get that mix right you know For
0: sure i love
1: it <laughs> we're, we're working on it hey i've learned lots today um Anthony so so tell us just before we r- wrap it up like a little bit about your programs and what what people can do if they want to reach out to you because obviously you're you're a very passionate caring person you want to help people your programs are really well designed you're a doctor you 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 understand all the, the physiology side of things but you also understand but through your background your you know experiences um what's involved in your programs and and what, how do people reach out to you and find you
0: Yeah Well, uh, first off, this has been a fun conversation and I, and I think it's cool that we ended up in this more mental, emotional dance area, because I think that's just as foundational in what we do with our programs as we do like the actual, here's a good nutrition plan. Here's exercise to follow. Here's the programming itself. Cause we got to To be successful long-term which we all want the sustainable success with our fitness not just these quick fix kind of short things is we need to address both the mind and then obviously the habits and then the environment and this is what we do inside fit father fit mother we take you we have a it's all delivered via me, my coaching team and inside our app and our community. So if you go to our websites, fitfatherproject.com or fitmotherproject.com, there are free trials. You can try the whole program for two weeks and you get inside. And first off, we help you develop a powerful mission statement and do some mindset work. That's step one. doesn't take long, but it's very deep. And it helps you get connected to why health matters to you, the vision you have for yourself and helps to build some new neuro associations to, to give you a more a robust statement and connection yeah. to why health matters that serves as like the motivational bedrock of what we layer on top. Next thing is we get into nutrition and we help people find like their golden through line nutrition plan. So we talked a little bit about like setting go-to meals for your first meal. Are you eating plant-based? Are you eating like keto carnivore? And like, we help you figure out what those recipes are for you. And we have members on all spectrums. We have complete vegans, complete it's carnivore cool. people. And like, they're able to slot into what works best for them. And we give you exact recipes that follow on all these different scenarios, figure out the meal timing schedule setup, and then help you work the plan. But nutrition's the second step. Then we have an exercise program that is works throughout, like it's it's over a year in length and has many phases, and people take it in whatever way they want to do. So if you're starting on fat loss or if you want to transition to muscle building, are the kind of workouts we have are a mix of like cardio and strength uh, and mobility all in one. We call them yeah. like metabolic resistance training which is a great way for people over 40 to train because, you know, you get the benefit of strength training and yep, metabolism boost with some high intensity exercise. You got it. So it's like, it's why you have abs at your age with the good nutrition. I'm sure. <laughs> like metabolic resistance training workouts a couple of times a week. Um, but we also, it, it adapts to what you need to do. So we have members who, you know, have lost, you know, over 50 kilos, just walking and following nutrition. So it's like, it's possible to do that as well. And then we have this amazing community where myself, our coaches and all the people who are on the program are just, with you and with all the members, and we're all chatting and sharing vulnerably and connecting. And I think that's what makes the journey more fun. We're not meant to do this stuff like by ourselves is why we're having great podcast conversations and wanting to share. It's like being in connection is this weird magic element that seems seems to make it all work really well. So, and again, we have, uh, although I'm from the U S we have members from all over the world, over a hundred countries. And so it's a really cool (laughs) hodgepodge of people, uh, all centered around the same goal of being healthy for themselves and their families.
1: Uh, brilliant. So we'll put those links down below. And Anthony, thank you so much for these insights today. And and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Personally, I've got some things out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely, we're both on the same sort of thing. And I love that you 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 embrace everybody with their different situations and their different things because that's very hard to do as a program. You know, for sure. Uh, someone who's building a program to do that and to create that harmony within a group, maybe that's a good um, uh, message for society. Could we all do that? That'd be nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Allow everybody to be different, but are all on a mission together. That would be great. Yes. Um, uh, so Anthony, thank you, Dr. Anthony. I really appreciate you. Um, and we'll put all the links down below and I look forward to being on the Fit Mother Project uh, yes. podcast uh, at some stage in the n- n- near future. So, um, and greetings to, the USA uh, from New Zealand so lovely to have you had you on today
0: thanks so much that's it this week for pushing the limits be sure to rate review and share with your friends head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com